This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for November 30th, 2023. This is uh, Season 13, Episode 8, and Episode 393 in the long-running podcast. That is the Power Play Post Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. I am your host, Bob Howard. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, Regardless of where you're from and who you are, listening to the show means a lot to me. I appreciate it. Uh, started this back in 2004. Took a small break in between uh, 2015 and 2023, but I am back and very much enjoying what we're doing now. Uh, we got a great guest for you. I got a great guest already planned and already set up for next week, so I'm really excited about that. And uh, next week we'll be talking a lot about the Binghamton Black Bears, but we're going to bring it from a different perspective, uh, which is pretty cool, uh, and everything uh, being that they are playing the Carolina Thunderbirds next week, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, so, But we got this week uh, to talk about in last week's games to talk about. The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search Power Play Post Show and share any of our show posts to all your friends. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. And on this episode of the Power Play Post Show, winger for the Binghamton Black Bears, Austin Thompson. What a great uh, conversation I had with Austin earlier today. Uh, we spoke for almost a full hour uh, talking about a lot of different things. You guys will hear about 30 minutes, uh, just over 30 minutes of that interview. So pretty cool. Austin, really nice guy. I, I'll tell you what, one of the things that I really liked so far about talking to JT Walters, Tyson Kirkby, Jesse Anderson, and now Austin Thompson, these guys can really communicate. You know, they really have a way uh, of presenting themselves in a very intelligible way, uh, which is nice. I think they can smack, talk smack a little bit, and you hear a little bit of that in the last couple of interviews, you know, Jesse Anderson talking about the Adrian College guys and everything like that. So I think I think there's that, and I believe it or not, even uh, Austin Thompson throws a little shade on the Adrian guys. Uh, you'll have to hear that in the interview. I think it's all in good fun, uh, but it's very interesting as well. All right. So the Binghamton Black Bears last weekend, they played three games in four nights against the Danbury Hattricks. Three games, three wins over Danbury on Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. So let's break this down and talk a little bit about each one of these games. Wednesday in Binghamton, it was a 6-2 win. Dakota Bond had three assists on the night. I think he really showed up, right? Finally showing that skill level that we know Dakota Bond and Daniel Stone are going to have from their time with Adrian, but also working on the same lines, so to speak, uh, being D-men with Brendan Stanko and, of course, uh, Connor Smith, even though Connor Smith did not play. So I think uh, Dakota Bond finally, you know, I, I don't want to say finally, but he showed up, uh, which was great. Brendan Stanko had three goals, the first hat trick of the season, and the 18th in Binghamton Black Bears franchise history. And if you didn't know, BinghamtonHockey.net has a page just for the Black Bears' uh, hat tricks history and even for their uh, shorthanded goals as well. No shorthanded goals yet this season for the Black Bears. Uh, Josh Fletcher, Tyson Kirkby, and just uh, Justin Samaro uh, finished out the scoring. Ivashkin and Yates had two assists each. A respectful game between the two teams. Nothing dirty or cheap on either side. And even though Dan Barry was on the losing side of that, we did not see what we would see normally like we did last year. So 
a different kind of team from Danbury. Uh, Levici uh, with his third win, and uh, that was versus Danbury, and I think his second win, no, his third win against Danbury. So, yeah, his third win against Danbury, I believe it was his fourth win on the season. He's having a really good year so far, but he's only played five games, four against Danbury and one against everybody else, right? So we'll see how he does next weekend down in Carolina. Uh, Friday in Danbury, it was a 5-4 shootout win for the Black Bears, winning their first shootout of the season. Binghamton took a two-goal lead early from two goals from Gavin Eats. I like how sometimes Gavin Eats, you know, when, when he scores, it's just like in bunches like that. And he can just score two in, you know, four minutes, and it's okay. Danbury ties it up with two unanswered goals in the second period themselves, Dabrowski and Ruiz with the goals. No surprise that their captain, Johnny Ruiz, who I think is one of the more well-respected players in the FPHL, uh, he just never gives up. He's a captain for a reason. Uh, Coach uh, McCreary truly just knows what he's doing, having Johnny Ruiz as the captain. And there are players throughout the league, I think, that really like and respect him. Dabrowski is a really good player. I think this is the first time I'm really taking notice of him, not in this particular game, but this season. Um, Donald Oliveri scored in the second period to put Binghamton back up by one goal because at that point it was tied 2-2. Then another two goals from Danbury in the third period from Abdella and Amesbury. Amesbury showing up on the score sheet but not really in the negative way. You know, if he's going to score goals, uh, you, this is this is what they want him to do. Um, Oliveri with his second goal and the game-tying goal, that also happened in the third period. So, Binghamton dominated the overtime but couldn't score. I think they had like four shots to Danbury's one. Stinko uh, had the lone goal in the shootout. Uh, Connor uh, McAnanima uh, got the win. Perfect this time in the shootout. So five rounds. Only Stinko got a goal. Stinko was really hot at this point. Uh, so it's not a surprise that if anybody was going to get a goal in the shootout, it was going to be him. Uh, there was an off-ice issue. Uh, between Coach Sher- Sherwood and Herm of the Black uh, of the Danbury Hattricks, Sherwood uh, was suspended before the game from an incident that happened three weeks prior. So you got to go back to that first time we were in Danbury. There was an incident off ice. Uh, Coach Sherwood uh, was visibly upset, very upset, and apparently kicked a trash can. Um, According to Sherwood, he did pick up the trash out of the trash can after he kicked it. Uh, He was fined for that. There was an investigation, and he was fined for that. Apparently, uh, Dan Barry's ownership did not want Sherwood at the game on Friday. And uh, pleaded with the, um, the FPHL to make that happen. And uh, basically, the league ultimately had to suspend him for a game. Now, I I don't like. All right, there's a, there's a few points to this whole thing. So I'm going to say this first: the league needs to be careful on how they handle Binghamton and Danbury going forward. It's not good for the persons involved and or the league's image. The league basically listened to Danbury's ownership group. And ultimately suspended, fearing that there would be something that bad would happen. Well, something bad did happen. And and I think the league and Danbury's image gets hurt a little bit. Now, of course, I don't think Danbury really cares, right? I don't think the Danbury fans care. Um, I think they really live up that trashers image, those two years where they were like the biggest, baddest things in the UHL. And that's the image that they're they're going with. Um, he basically came at Sherwood while Sherwood, in the I think it was the beginning of the third period, was filming the drummer fan who was drumming right next to the Binghamton bench and over the glass and doing things that have already been said you can't do. And uh, nobody in the arena is doing anything about it, security or the Danbury officials or whatever. And I don't – listen, my my thing here is, is 
I am not holding every single person in Danbury at fault. Not the fans, not everybody on the Danbury Hattrick staff, and definitely not all the, the, the players on the ice, right? There, there has to be some sort of accountability for what was happening. Sherwood was taking a video and sent pictures um, about this, and we all know it happened, right? We know that Sherwood was talked to by the police officers and was asked to leave, and eventually he did leave. He was upset about it. Um, but here's the thing. When I caught wind earlier in the day that Sherwood was suspended for the game, I asked him, I said, what did you do in the Wednesday game that I didn't see? Was there something that I missed? And you know, he said, no, this, this, this stems from, uh, from three weeks ago when I was fined, there was an investigation and everything. And, and, uh, so the, the league, I guess reviewed it again and decided to suspend him for the Friday game. So I just assumed that he wasn't going to go to the game, that he wasn't going to go to Danbury and that he was just going to stay home with him. He's got a couple kids and everything. And then he sends me a text that says, no, I'm at the arena. So I thought he was at the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena in Binghamton and he was just going to watch the game in his office, right? Uh, and I even joked with him, and you can ask Sherwood this. If you see him, he'll tell you that I said this. I said, you should have the – you should watch the game in the, in the stands in Section 1 in Binghamton on the big screen. Have somebody put it up on the big screen, and they can take pictures of you sitting there with your feet up probably just watching this game. And he kind of laughed. I kind of laughed. I had no idea he was in Danbury. And – not that Sherwood will ever come to me for counsel. He never will. I've been, yes, I've, I've, I've been covering Binghamton hockey for a long time. I've been, I covered the AHL for a long time. I think I know a lot about hockey. I know a lot about the business of hockey. Um, but if he would have came to me, I would have said, just stay home. But his response to me when I asked him about going to Danbury was, I was not going to let my team go in there alone. And that's all noble and everything. And, again, I absolutely love Brant Sherwood. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a good coach. I think he's inspirational. And I think the players from just talking to him like him a lot. But I wouldn't have gone. I And I would have said, no, don't go. Don't go. Don't get involved in that. Don't let the drama get even bigger. And, of course, it did. And do I blame Herm? Probably not. He probably saw Sherwood and said, what the bleep is he doing here? Right? You'd think, you know, if you're suspended, you, you, don't, you don't make that trip. And there's an event. There's, an, there's something personal going on here that even I probably don't know all the deal, uh, details to. I just know what happened three weeks ago. There was a kick of a trash can. There was obviously an argument, obviously conversation that was happening between uh, Danbury, probably Herm, and, of course, Coach Sherwood. But I want to stand here and say that it needs to stop. I said this in my day after game report. It needs to stop, right? Dan, Coach Sherwood doesn't need this kind of garbage, and neither does Danbury or the league. Nobody does. They need to let it go. Now that this, this past weekend is over with, everybody needs to move on, including everybody between, you know, you know, Herm and Coach Sherwood. And that's just my opinion. Um, but I think a lot of people also agree. I'm just glad it didn't get any worse than it did. Uh, obviously, the video is damaging enough and some of the pictures that Coach Sherwood has. And I believe they took it to the league and said this is how he was treated in the arena. Now, the other thing I want to say, very important, and I know Coach Sherwood probably doesn't think this immediately because he was being kicked out by the police officers. In no way or anything, the police officers did nothing wrong. They were doing what they were told. They're paid by the uh, ownership group and Danbury to come in and work security. And if they choose to kick somebody out, they're going to do that. And maybe it's still not right, but it's not the cops' fault. So let's move on from that. I just wanted to bring it up, talk about it again. Let's move on. All right, so Saturday, the two teams were back in Binghamton. Now, here's the interesting thing about these three games. I want to point this out. In no way, shape, or form 
did these three games ever get ugly? And it could have. If this was Danbury of last year and uh, Jasso was on that team in Danbury, this would have gotten ugly quickly, right? It might have gotten ugly even in the in the second game. But, you know, Danbury had the lead at, you know, a couple different points in the second game. So um, maybe not. But usually when two teams play each other three times in four nights or whatever, that could be in the playoffs, it could be in regular season, usually things get kind of ugly, right? Especially when it's one-sided, right? Binghamton wins 6-2. to two. Third game, they win 5-2. to two. But it didn't get as ugly as it could have. And I like that. I like the fact that they went into Binghamton on Saturday and the game played out how it played out. But Coach McCreary didn't get his guys out there doing anything goonish or anything like that. And uh, neither did Sherwood's team, you know? So I like that. It was a very respectful three games played against each other, even if there was off-ice drama that happened, okay? So let's talk a little bit about Saturday. It was in Binghamton, 5-2 win for the Black Bears, marking the third win in four nights for the Black Bears. Oliveri scores two goals again, second night in a row he did this. Uh, Fletcher, Stanko, and Ivashkin scored as well for the Black Bears. Was this Stanko's last goal as a Black Bear this season? That's an interesting question, right? Called up to the Roanoke uh, Rail Yard Dogs of the SPHL. Could he go there, play really well there, and maybe even get another call up? We just saw Brian Wilson, who started off this season in the SPHL, I think for the Havoc, if I remember correctly. And now he's been called up to the ECHL, okay? So it can happen. And I think you're going to start seeing this happen as players play well, whether it's goalie, whether it's a forward. Uh, Jake Schultz played almost the whole season last year for the Binghamton Black, uh, Black Bears. He's now in the ECHL. So it is possible for guys to, to get closer up there, right? And, you know, and the paycheck's a little bit better in the ECHL. Obviously, it's a little bit better than the SPHL. So... Uh, good for them. Uh, so good for Stanko. Congratulations. We'll miss you. If if you need a home, you know where you can come to, right? Ivochkin's empty netter was his 100th pro career goal. All for the Black Bears, which is pretty cool, right? So 100 goals in his pro career, all for the Black Bears. Now sits solo in seventh place in Binghamton hockey history. Now think about that again, folks. 52nd year or 51st year of pro hockey right now in Binghamton, 51st year. And he's now in seventh place in Binghamton hockey history. And what's interesting about that is, is you think, well, there's a lot of guys that played a lot, a lot more games than he did and didn't score. Well, you know, it's different in the AHL. We, we're not scoring as many goals in the AHL as you are, and, you know, maybe the UHL or whatever. So you can uh, probably get up there in the goal totals a little bit quicker. Uh, so, he leads the team right now in games played with 107. He is Mr. Black Bear, let's be honest. Whether you like him or don't like him or believe rumors or listen to people or whatever, games played, he's got 107. Goals, 100. Points, 183. All franchise leaders. Franchise leader in for the Black Bears and everything. And that's Nikita Ivashkin. And I think if he spends, and I think he has to spend this season here in Binghamton before he can even think about going elsewhere, I, I think he's going to do really well. Uh, he might sit in fifth place at some point this season in the, the goals category for sure. And he's going to hit 200 points. In I mean, he's only at 17 points away from 200. So he's got... He's he's gonna he's gonna be hitting some numbers, and that 200 points will put him like 14th, I think, in Binghamton hockey history. He's 17th right now in points. So very interesting. Um, roster moves: Chad Lopez released, uh, Brendan Stinko obviously inactive because he went up to the the um, the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs. Dogs spelled with a D A W G S which is great. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Chad Lopez. You know, I, I made a comment in Facebook. Well, not on Facebook. I basically posted my thoughts on on this. So, you know, if you go to the Facebook group, Power Play Post Show, you join it, you're going to see my thoughts on things. I don't always give thoughts. A lot of times when I do interviews, I am basically asking questions to players and coaches and, and things of that nature. But on the Facebook group, I'm trying to provide some of my thoughts and my insights, right? And uh, Coach Sherwood, I think, kind of maybe corrected me a little bit. 
Um, I did say that Chad Lopez, you know, thinking for himself, about himself. He played well last year, moving up and, and, and playing in the uh, – he, I think he really wanted to play in the SPHL because he thought he did pretty good. And why not? If he did good here, he could do good up there and everything. Um, I basically said, you know, he's thinking about himself, you know. And, yes, even if you're having a kid and you decide that you want to play there, you're thinking about yourself before you're thinking about the Binghamton Black Bears. That's okay. But it's still the truth as well. It's hard sometimes for people to hear the truth because it feels like it's a a knock on somebody, it's really not. If that's what he feels he needs to do, that's okay. But the team also has to think about itself, right, about the team. How do you market the Binghamton Black Bears? You bring in good players, you play well, you win a championship, and you get more fans to come to the arena. It's a business. We, we can't forget that this is a business. At the same time, it's a business that doesn't play its employees enough. But that's just my opinion, and I know Andreas can't do anything about that. I'm sure that, you know, he would if he could. But I will say this. He said Lopez also might be coming back after Christmas. So he may not have gotten it there, but if, if he's working through some family stuff, right, you know, they're expecting he might come back after Christmas. It looks like, to me, Coach Sherwood is okay with that. So maybe correcting me just a little bit by, by saying that to me. I won't get, go, go into some of the other stuff, but I will say this. Uh, Coach Sherwood did say that Mac Lewis looks like he's sticking in Birmingham. Um, Coach Sherwood has talked to the coach up there. Now, you got to understand, Coach Sherwood is going to talk to coaches up in the SPHL. He's going to talk to other coaches in the FPHL. He talks to coaches in college. You know, there's there's this constant confer, uh, uh, communication that happens between coaches at the college level, at the pro level, just to continue. I mean, they don't have scouts. I mean, I guess if anything, they could hire me to be a scout, and I can go around and watch hockey games and give my reports on players. Um, there's also might be some news about a player coming back by the end of the weekend. Um, might be some more news. He may not be back by the end of the weekend, but it might be a player that could be coming back to the Black Bears. And so I'm going to leave it at that. I'm trying to leave it as, um, as generic as I can. Coach did reach out to me. He did say that, uh, McAnanima will likely go Friday. So we should see Connor McAnanima play on Friday. I was going to hold that off for a few more minutes, but that's okay. Um, so that's that's kind of like an update I got from Coach, and I'm pretty confident it was okay to say what I've said so far. So it'll be interesting. So Chad Lopez, if he comes back, great. You know, obviously the the, the team is okay to accept him back and everything. And there's there's a part of it that we're, you know, we, we talked about it earlier in the season where there was a player who just – you know, was thinking, I'm going to go make it somewhere else and everything. And so the Black Bears, you know, said goodbye to somebody, you know, but it looks like with Chad Lopez, if there's communication, I think Coach Sherwood is good with that. Okay, so the upcoming weekend game, uh, just one game at home. It's against the Myra River Sharks. The Black Bears are 2-0-1 and one versus the River Sharks this season. Won both games uh, and won both home games and lost the OT game in Elmira. Unfortunately, that was Connor McAnanima. So hopefully he can turn around and get that win uh, this weekend against them. Um, I just want to bring up real quick, Sam uh, Levici's uh, numbers are really good. Okay, He has four, five wins altogether, but he has four wins versus the Danbury Hattricks, right? So right now we got a guy who seems to have Danbury's numbers, which is great. Right, he's five zero and zero. He has a two point four goals against average and a nine twenty seven save percentage. So that's pretty awesome as well. And uh, also in the last three games, he's only given up two goals each game. You know, I noticed that trend. Uh, all three of those games were against Danbury. He's only given up three two goals in each game against Danbury, and that's uh, pretty good. And I'm sure that frustrates Coach McCreary and his squad a little bit. Uh, but hey, we're going to go to our guest now. We are going to bring on Austin Thompson from the Binghamton Black Bears. We'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show.
Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. I have a very uh, great guest here with us. I'm very excited to get to talk to him. He comes to us, obviously, from the Binghamton Black Bears. He is one of their wingers, and he is Austin Thompson. Austin, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. It's uh, great to talk to you. I, I just spent the last 20 minutes, and we were just talking things up and everything, the differences between Canada and the U.S. and whatnot. But it's it's great to have you on. And I know I got you out of a little bit of a community service tonight, so uh, you're, you're, you're kind of laughing that up a little bit as well. But uh, thank you very much for coming on. No, thanks for having me again. Uh, thanks for shaving me for the community service. But I'm sure there will be more that I'll uh... – make a face appearance too so now you guys i think i think generally a lot of the guys really do like engaging with the community here uh whether it be in binghamton or or, or, or any other places I, I know even some of the college teams even did a lot of the community servicing engaged with a lot of the fans but i also feel like it's it's part of that family nature when it comes to hockey players right growing up your parents had to travel or get you to the travel games and things of that nature and there was a lot of that uh happening uh so it feels like second nature for you guys to sometimes do some of this community service correct well, of course you know i mean like you said we've kind of been growing up about it especially in binghamton here with the fan base we have i mean if we don't go out and show support to our fans and how are the fans going to come out and support us and pack the arena because it's just night and day playing at our home rink compared to other rinks where the fans are going nuts on a goal. Meanwhile, we're on the road and it's just quiet when the home team scores. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's about giving back to the community, whether it's the kids or adults to help them out at whatever is going on. It's always nice to kind of give back and show your thanks and gratitude that way. One of the things that you and I were talking about a little bit um, off air was about where you're from, which is Leamington. And that's uh, a little community, um, it's not like on a peninsula uh, that separates Lake Erie, Lake Sinclair, and you're right next to Windsor, Ontario, which is, of course is just across the stream from basically Detroit, Michigan. Can you talk to me a little bit about what Leamington is like? You know, growing up there as a kid, what kind of, you know, did you guys have all the different sports and everything? I know you told me you were a big lacrosse fan and you actually played and you played college uh, lacrosse as well. What's it like in Leamington, though? Yeah, you know, we're a smallish community. I mean, we're growing a lot. Um, we're jokingly called the tomato capital of Canada. We used to have a Heinz um, factory there where a lot of families, parents worked at. Now it's transferred over to Highbury. But just a big hockey community in that region since we are Canadian. And, you know, we had, like, the likes of baseball and soccer, which are also slowly growing with more Europeans kind of coming over, the Portuguese, Lebanese, Italians. And then, like we spoke earlier, uh, lacrosse started early-ish. I was probably eight, so probably 17 years ago. My dad and a couple of his buddies kind of made the organization, and that's kind of slowly been growing, but... Um, I would definitely say hockey's our number one sport over there, especially with the lakes, frozen pond hockey, you know, just a typical winter event to do or go and play. So, Tell me a little bit about how many how many rinks would you say is in the general vicinity of where you grew up? Like, you know, obviously here in Binghamton, we obviously have the, the big rink. We have the college rink, uh, the BCC ice rink. We have Griffin Park, which mm-hmm. is an outdoor place. Then we have the ice box, which is the polar cap, which is probably the coldest place on earth. Uh, I know you guys have practiced there a couple of times, and you would probably agree it's freaking yeah, like I would an definitely I- agree with that. It's, it's an ice box there, and everybody knows oh, it. Yeah. Um, and, and everything, but how many rinks do you guys have in your uh, community up there in Leamington? So we actually have uh, one arena, two rinks. Mm-hmm. Um, the one we have a main bowl. It's for the junior team that's in the currently in the OJ that just got moved up there, and then another smaller rink. And then about ten minutes away from us, we have another rink in like a smaller town. But the way our hockey organization works up, it's not like a town of Leamington. We are called the South Point Capitals, which is Leamington and Wheatley combined. So we would have three ice rinks to play on for minor hockey. And then every 10, 15 minutes, every town pretty much has a rink as well. So, I mean, we're just filled by hockey, by ice arenas. And when did, when did you start skating? I want to say when I was two or three is when I first started skating, just doing hot laps around uh, in Windsor there, one of the rinks next to my grandparents' house. 
And uh, was it was it pretty evident pretty early that this was something that you were going to excel through through school and then even uh you know when you when you decided to go to college was it definitely something that was like yes this is something i want to continue beyond you graduating high school and you obviously you were playing in you know juniors and, and things of that nature but w- w- when, when what was the age group when you realized i might be able to go and do this in college as well Honestly, I think that was probably 18 because at one point, uh, my second year junior, I was about to be down playing hockey and just uh, full headfirst into lacrosse. Had a couple offers in uh, D2 in North Carolina at a pretty good school. But uh, say would have it, I had a second opportunity to try out for a team in Ottawa, Tier 2 league, and did pretty good. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm decent at this sport still. So then <laughs> kind of went back home and finished out junior and got offers to multiple schools for hockey. And, you know, my parents were really supportive of it. My dad played uh, junior hockey growing up. He kind of played football at college in the States for a little bit. So he had an idea of kind of that route. So he kind of helped me guide through it. And once hockey, once college was done, I had guys that are older than me, alumni, telling me that, you know, uh, I think you have an opportunity to play somewhere else after you're done college if that's something you want to do. And, Obviously got a hold of them, and they've kind of mentored me and kind of helped me get a spot at Binghamton here last year where I got to show what I got. And Obviously, Coach Gary liked it, and when Jersey came in, he still likes it, so no complaints about that. Well, he he seems to like his ACHA guys, so for sure. Yeah, we, between, we work hard, that's why. Well, no, and, and, I, and absolutely, 100% and everything. One of the things that I noticed about watching you play is, is you're not afraid to get in front of the goaltender. Was where, where did that start getting into your game? Because it seems like in Binghamton here, and you know, I even had my, uh, my, my eye up against a camera lens, and I'm looking at the opposing goaltender, and I'm like, all right, Austin, get out of my shot. Austin, get out of my shot. You're literally always there. Where did that come into your game? Was that a college thing? Was it even before that in juniors? Uh, honestly, it wasn't really junior college thing because that kind of wasn't my gameplay. It was when coming to Binghamton, it's just you got to try to find more ways to score and kind of show you're not a one-dimensional player. And I mean, everyone can shoot and skate, so it's more so kind of showing the jersey and – Gary at the time, like, hey, like, if you need someone net front, like, I guess I can do, I'll do that for you. Like, I'm willing to adapt to help whatever the team needs. And, you know, it's always nice getting those easy tip goals yep. on the net. We don't have to shoot. But then again, you're also getting beat up. So, well, and, and that's just the price it. You pay. And, and, well, yeah, and that's just it. It's one of the prices you do pay by being in front of the net and everything. Last year, you had 29 goals, uh, 27 assists, 56 points in, in 49 uh, career games. And, and just talking to Scherzi as much as I have over the past you know, year and everything, it, it's mm-hmm. interesting. He really likes guys that kind of work hard and everything. He loves those Suniac guys. But it also seems like he really does like some of these guys from the ACHA teams which are, are those, and especially the, the, the players that work hard and everything, um, the, the mindset for you coming in to practice day in, day out, what, what's your mindset coming in? Just kind of be 1% better than the day before. Um, obviously, you know, it's going to be perfect, but if there's something that you notice from the weekend um, that you can improve on, it's kind of like, what, what did I do wrong? Did you go over film? So it's what I do wrong. What can I work on today at practice? Like what? How can I better myself and prepare myself for the games to come? So let's talk a little bit about lacrosse and hockey. What are the similarities between the two sports? Obviously, a lot of uh, you know skating, a lot of running. Both are very comparable in that sense. Obviously, one's on a on a blade, and the other one you're just on a field and everything. But what are the comparisons that you can take from lacrosse and hockey and intermix with each other? Well, obviously, you got your team aspect, right? So it's five on five. Yep. Um, a lot of communication in both sports, especially. I notice a lot in lacrosse. Your guys are always talking, whether it's on defense or offense, trying to draw defense, trying to figure out which guy's open. You know, if you have to switch or whatnot, or draw offense, setting picks for guys to kind of roll off. Um, then there's also that compete level. It's just lacrosse is just a different sport, especially box lacrosse back home, which is uh, huge in Canada. Um, 
it's like you're going to war, honestly. Like, the next day you wake up and you have bumps and bruises everywhere. So that kind of puts you in the mindset that you need to compete every every day, every night, whether game or practice, if you're feeling 100% or not. And that obviously translates to hockey. You know, you have to go every time you're on the ice. Um, but, no, I just – it's just a team aspect, and, you know, like, you're never going to have bounces go your way. It's always about kind of rebounding because in lacrosse, they always go on streaks or runs where you might score four goals in a row or you might get scored on four times in a row, and it's kind of right. how you bounce back and respond to that. And, obviously, that's happened here in hockey. And, honestly, I think as our group, at least this year as a whole, has responded perfectly to when other teams kind of get hot and we kind of cool that out and start our own run. Now, of course, you, you you talked a little bit about the next day having bumps and bruises when playing lacrosse. It's a it's it's a very physical sport, but you can also be hit by the ball and the rackets and everything. Um, which I'm sure I used the wrong terminology for the for the is it a, is it a racket? What, what's it's it called? A stick. It's a stick. Just a it's stick. A lacrosse stick. Oh, lacrosse stick. Yeah, All right, so that's stick. that's perfect. Okay. Well, it's got the little netting thing on the end, so I figured I'd call it a racket. But yeah, that throws you off. It does throw me off and everything, but but. I have a feeling that it's it's a very physical body contact kind of sport as well, right? Oh yeah, there you can't hide in the cross floor. Um, the if you're playing in the arena, so it's obviously small. The goalie's huge, and that's also tiny. So it's almost like basketball with pick and rolls and playing in tight. So I mean, you're getting whacked, you're getting cross checked, you're getting bumped, you're getting hit by a ball flying at you know seventy miles maybe in like a calf. That's no protection on it, so you're gonna have some welts going on there, and there is there is nowhere to hide on a lacrosse field or floor. No, you, know, you can't hide, so you're always part of the play. Are there guys on the Black Bears team now that are as big into lacrosse as you are? Uh, big as me, no, but I do know Yates knows how to hold a lacrosse stick. I'm pretty sure. Okay. He was talking to me about it last year, being a little mass boy. Yeah, I think I think Brooks Hill is also a lacrosse guy too, right? Um, yes, I actually I think he played at a university at ECU or something. Yeah, yeah, down in down 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 in uh, North Carolina, absolutely. And you yeah. said that you actually had talked to people in North Carolina about possibly playing D two lacrosse down there, right? Yes, yeah, Belmont Abbey in uh, Carolina. Interesting. You'll have to talk to Brooksy about that and everything. And because uh, and, I know you also said to me, because I said to you, I said, hey, listen, you need to go check a game out in you know, Cornell. It's a crazy town for hockey and stuff. And you're like, no, I want to go to Syracuse. So, you know, you know, for people who are just not lacrosse fans, we'll get back into hockey in just a few minutes, folks. I, pr- mm-hmm. I promise you. But for people who don't know, why do you want to go see a game in Syracuse? I mean, once you watch a game, you're just going to be hooked into it. It's just action-packed, it's always thrilling, there's no dull moments, but I mean, this Syracuse alone has a great program, they're uh, historically good, and make deep runs in the playoffs for a national title, and they play in a dome, and it's orange seats, you know, the fans go nuts, the students are there, it's just a great atmosphere to be in, that's just something, you know, you gotta experience one time, right? especially being this close to them. So one of the things I want to talk to you about before we talk about Davenport for just a few minutes, um, I want to, one of the things that you and I talked about off air that I want to bring up and everything I told you I was going to bring this up was, you know, where you were growing up in Leamington, obviously you have the Detroit Red Wings, you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, you even have the Ottawa Senators that are close enough by that you could become a fan of. You told me that uh, when you were younger, it was the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that was that was your team. And then you grew up and, and got smart and decided they're never going to win. So, um, And I'm picking, of course, uh, let's hope that Toronto eventually. Black and white was the last time they won on TV. Yeah, I know. It's bad. So, But you yeah. said that in 2004, 2005, it kind of changed for you, and you became a Washington Capitals fan and everything. And, you know, Ovechkin had just recently said that he and Sidney Crosby kind of changed the game and changed the perception and kind of grew the game like nobody really has since maybe uh, Wayne Gretzky did probably back in the late 70s and early 80s. What are your thoughts about what what was it in 2004, 2005, or when you started to kind of switch over to to the Capitals? Uh, What was it about Ovechkin that really just caught your eye? I mean, the guy just throws his weight around and isn't afraid to hit and get physical, but he also has a deadly shot and just loves scoring goals. And, I mean, I try to play the same way. You know, I like to hit, I like to score. Scoring's always fun, obviously, but, I mean, he's just not afraid to muck it up. And growing up, I just 
his wrist shot. I just wanted to shoot like that. Do you do you think he was right? Do you think that he and Crosby both changed the game, obviously for the better, coming out of that lockout? Of course, yeah, for sure. I mean, you have the first overall pick from the year prior versus the first overall pick from that year. I mean, it's an easy write-up for the NHL world, as a script-wise, if you want to say it that way. But, I mean, you got Canada versus Russia, best player versus best player at their respective ages, and I mean, then you got Washington versus Pittsburgh, another rivalry that they both went to. So yeah. it was like just written in the stars that those two would just 20 years of it kind of grow the game and mold it to what it is now almost. You know what? It's pretty amazing, too, because here in Binghamton, we had Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza mm-hmm. was a, basically a, a rookie. I think Corey Perry came into the American Hockey League just shortly after that. And uh, mm-hmm. these are guys that went up to the NHL. And I remember when Jason Spezza came here into Binghamton, and we saw the skill. It was like there was a new elite player that was coming into not just the American Hockey League, but eventually these guys were going to, like Corey Perry, make it up into the NHL and whatnot. And it, and it felt like they were a, 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 like a higher elite player than the players that we saw in the 90s and the 80s. And, of course, nobody's going to match, obviously, what Wayne Gretzky did. And, and I'm not comparing these guys to them. But for the average player, these were above-average players that were coming in. And it's pretty amazing because for the last 20 years, we've gotten to see Corey Perry and, and Ovechkin and Crosby and Jason Spezza do the things that they've done. And there's other players that we could group into there from Sweden and from Russia as well that uh, d- did that. And i got to imagine those pl- kind of players were probably a big influence on yourself, Jesse Anderson, guys like that around that age group watching them and wanting to emulate them. Well, especially you're, like you're talking about Jason Spezza, an Ottawa player. I mean, Saturday Night Hockey in Canada, Maple Leafs game is on. They got the rivalry versus Ottawa with Daniel Alf- Alf- Alfredson. So, yep. I mean, you know, you got Sundin versus Alfredson. It's another rivalry that you can talk about except they're just two Europeans. So, I mean, the hockey – the hockey that they funnel to us Canadians growing up, you mean you always have a mini stick in your hand almost. Like when you're born, you always have a stick in your hand. It's it's just something that we Canadians love to do and talk about. And like I said, every Saturday night, you know, back in the day when Don Cherry was able to mm. have his little show with uh, Ron McLean, every Canadian tuned into that and watched the hockey games all day Saturday. And then Sunday they probably had their own hockey games. And so they talked about the night before, I mean, like I said, like you said earlier about like Anderson, myself, and other guys kind of growing up in that age group, it's there's a lot of talent, a lot of different players to look at to model our games after. Absolutely. Now, so you you obviously went and played, I believe, five years uh, at Davenport. You played a little bit with the University of Superior and everything. How did your game change, and what did you learn about yourself playing college hockey? Uh it's a grind. I mean, mm-hmm. Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday, you're practicing hour, two hours a day. I mean, you're working out, and then you got your games Friday, Saturday. So it just kind of taught me that you got to take it day by day, but at the same time, you just got to get a little bit better every each day to prepare for that weekend. And guess what? If you have a little bump or a little bruise, I mean, you got to play through it and fight through it because you could be able to line up the next weekend. So, I mean, it's just a lot of resilience and kind of – and this is what you're serious about. You just got to keep pushing yourself for it. One of the things that I talked to Brendan Stanko about a couple of weeks ago about the difference between playing for Adrian and playing in Binghamton is that the game was, he said, very physical and grinding in college hockey. But he said even in some cases here in in, in the pro of the FPHL, that it's really a, like a, a smoother game where there's a little bit you know, if a guy is going to come by you, he's not going to necessarily body check you into the wall like in um, what he said, you know, with, with, when he played with Adrian, but more of a, oh, I'm going to swoop by you, put my stick down, try to get that puck away, and then move on. Did you notice the difference as well? Yeah, I mean, we can go back to Adrian's comments because uh, players were scared to get a penalty with the <laughs> home arrest that they had at their rink. Um, no, yeah, no, there's a difference. I mean, yeah. obviously, skills better. Uh, there's not so much the plays are obviously quicker. It's not so much guys fumbling around with the puck. Um, but yeah, no, like you said, there is a lot of swooping. Meanwhile, college, you know, you're 
a guy's near, he's got to hit you type thing because, I mean, like you said, they could get scratched and then they're out for a couple more weeks because of that, and that's just the college grind. Mm-hmm. But like, there are some teams here that do finish their hits, which can be annoying at, uh, at times. Um, but, no, I think speed-wise, obviously, it's increased because players are coming from all over, right? Absolutely. Now, the pro game for you started last season. You came in, Gary Gill was here, and then there was the changeover to uh, Coach Sherwood. Can you talk a little bit about what that change was like for you guys in the locker room? Obviously, this this younger guy, I mean, he's not much older than, than most of you are coming in and, uh, you know, basically trying to kind of change the culture a little bit, maybe in the locker room, try to change the game a little bit that you guys were playing on the ice. What was that change like for you guys to go from Gary Gill to uh, Coach Sherwood? I mean, it was, there two, there's two different coaches, how they approach things. Um, sure, he's a big culture and locker room guy. Sadly, coming in halfway through the season last year, he wasn't able to incorporate some of his philosophies because uh, we did have some sour eggs in there that might have – one above Shirley's head to get rid of him for that. So he had to kind of play it slow and kind of mold it to what it is now when he was able to pick his whole team pretty much. Um, I mean, most guys took it with open eyes, open arms type thing. I mean, you can't shut off a coach just because you got a new got new replacement or because he's younger. I mean, he has experience in the hockey world pro-wise. So mm-hmm. as I know me personally just trying to pick his brain and try to figure out, you know, like what it takes to get up there and, Again, like we talked about earlier in the episode here, uh, trying to change my game into showing them that I'm not just a one-dimensional player. So uh, last year, uh, the struggles against Danbury were kind of evident. This year, the uh, the virtues of you know being able to beat uh, Danbury has been evident. Um, Talk about the rivalry between Binghamton and Danbury. You've seen it on the losing end, and now you've seen it on the winning end. And it seems kind of like, in some cases, uh, Danbury's been a little bit quiet. They, they feel like a different team this year than they were last year. Does that? Do you guys notice that as well? Uh, personally, I noticed that. I know some of our guys have noticed that as well. I mean, like we said about the whole guy skating by, swinging their sticks, I feel like a lot of them are doing that. and they're not. We're also not getting sucked into their – old school trasher ways is how they played hockey last year. And that's kind of where they found success. Right. So, I mean, they only lost 10 games all season yeah. and all their games that they lost in the playoffs were on the road. So, I mean, it just goes to show that when you go there, it's you're, you're in for a battle, no matter what it is, penalties, uh, hits what the crowd, the fans, it's just a different environment. And I think our guys have now at least having a year, especially under my belt, it's kind of, you kind of expect it, so nothing's a big surprise anymore. And obviously, they kind of changed their gameplay. They're not as uh, big or tough as what they were last year, and they kind of almost seem mellowed out. And hopefully, it stays that way. Come playoff time, I won't complain. Well, it, um, it's funny, Austin, that you mentioned that because I literally said about last week's games as I was kind of covering it and giving my thoughts and everything. I was like, it felt like three, two, two teams playing three games. And it was respectful, like, like because they talk about that these days in in hockey, right? You know, players being respectful with mm-hmm. each other, you know, not taking liberties and stuff like that. And that's what those three games felt like. Now I know that Danbury was on the losing end of those three games, and Binghamton was on the winning end, but it did seem like, you know, because Danbury in the past, when they have been down, can get physical and gritty and maybe loose with their sticks yep. and whatnot. They didn't seem to do that. And we all know that Billy McCreary is a good coach and he's a smart guy and everything, but it just seems like the team feels different this year. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, last year they were a lot looser with their sticks and, you know, instead of waiting three seconds to hit you, they might hit you four seconds after you move the puck type thing. And yeah. it, so far for this year, it doesn't seem like they're doing that. So I don't know if maybe the league kind of cracked down on them or not, but um, it definitely feels – like it's an actual the way the hockey game is supposed to be played, not some goon squad out there. Now, is that the hardest away barn to go and play in? One thousand percent. Yeah, and they like yeah. it that way. No, they they no like doubt. it that way. Oh, they love it there. Now, you you mentioned the Trashers' way of playing, so you're familiar with the Danbury Trashers of the UHL and kind of the story behind it, correct? Oh yeah. I've, Everyone's got Netflix. I've seen the episodes. I mean, we had Morassi here last year. Yep. Um, obviously, K 
can't say whether or not he talked about it, but it's just another avenue. So, I mean, any guys do research, too, with the whole FBHL, right? Yeah. Prior to coming into the league, so you kind of watch old tapes or old highlights and whatnot. So, I mean, you kind of have an idea of what they were like back in the day. But, I mean, hey, it worked for them, so why not try to repeat success? Well, the Dusters of the 70s, if it wasn't for them and the Johnstown Jets and the Syracuse Chiefs, we wouldn't have Slapshot, which is considered one of the greatest <laughs> movies, you know, when it comes to hockey Absolutely. and everything. 100%. So. Yeah, so we, 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 we know our slapstick kind of hockey play. We, we're familiar with it here in, uh, in Binghamton. And there's still still a few fans from the 70s that come to your guys' games going, all right, when are they all going to break down in a brawl and everything? You know, because <laughs> that's what they remember and they love and everything. Of um, course. No, that's how you get fans in the arena. And I think the way the hockey's evolving, it's kind of getting away from that, especially, like, obviously higher leagues and down, you know, with the fighting rules and right. You only fight so many times. I think it's they want to turn it more to a skill game, but you still need some physicality. So, but you just none of that like after the whistle, cheap stuff. Now you you've been playing most of the year. I believe only a couple games have you been off a line with Tyson Kirkby, obviously the captain of the Binghamton Black Bears. What is it about? you and him together on a line together. I know you guys had Mac Lewis on the other side uh, for a while, and now it's uh, you and uh, Tyson and, 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 and Gabe, Gavin Yates and everything. What is it about Kirkby that you like playing on the same line with him? Well, I mean, I can't get away from the guy. We're roommates, too, so <laughs> I see him 24-7 almost, so I have to like him. <laughs> did, did, he, no, he's a... did, he, did he warn you ahead of time about talking to me? No, 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 no warning. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that after we're done here. Uh, no, he's a he's a good guy. You know, he wants to win. I want to win. I mean, he obviously played in the SB, and yeah. at the end of the day, I kind of I would love to get a shot at that and kind of test the limits type thing. But yeah, I mean, we're always talk, we're talking about what we could do differently. I mean, we read off each other. We're always communicating on the ice too, trying to make plays. So it's just a it's a smooth transition. And then with Yates, I mean. The guy's just skilled, and I played with him at the beginning of last year, and it was mm-hmm. kind of like nothing changed since the first couple of games of last year compared to now with him. I mean, guy's just a wizard with the puck. It's ridiculous how he doesn't lose it half the time. This weekend, you guys only have one game. Is it tough to get ready for one game, or does it? Did, are you kind of more concentrated now just – Listen, we got Elmira on Friday night, and then we got Saturday and Sunday off. You know, how, how how do you guys go into the mindset of just one game this weekend? It definitely depends what day of the week that one game is. Yeah. I mean, obviously, a Friday would be technically the first game of the weekend, so it's kind of easier because we're in our st- still in our same tradition of, you know, practicing throughout the week, nothing changes, and then you go right into your game on Friday. It can be easy, though, to kind of skip ahead and – you know, thinking about, oh, I got two days off on the weekend. Like, what are we going to do Saturday night? But, I mean, you know, the boys, we want to win. So, we're just going to focus up and treat it, obviously, like any other game on Friday. And then uh, enjoy the couple days, extra days off after we just played uh, three games in five days or something last week. Austin, one of the toughest things uh, in the Federal Hockey League, and we've seen Trav Ridgen uh, talk about it in his podcast, Lingin' the Biscuit and everything, is the pay and everything. Um how do you, what, like for you, what, what is, do you have something that you do during the week that helps supplement the pay that you guys aren't getting yet? Um, because I know for a lot of players, yeah, they have to work. And uh, a lot mm-hmm. of fans may not realize that. A lot of fans might come to the rink and watch a game and go, okay, look at these guys are in the, you know, great uniforms and they got all the equipment and everything like that. And what people don't realize is that, you know, the pay isn't what uh, I, I, I think it probably should be personally myself and everything. I'm sure you probably would agree with me on that. Um, we, can agree with, we can agree with that. Yeah, but is there anything that you do outside of hockey that helps keep you kind of afloat in that sense? Yeah, I uh, work from home, obviously, because I'm out of states, but uh, I work for a fish distribution plant kind of on payroll. Yeah. That's about 15, uh, 15 hours a week that I kind of do as also side change, which is nice. But, I mean, we don't we don't play because we do it for the money, right? I mean, especially in this league, we sure. do it because we love it. And I mean, you can't be waking up in the morning going to a hockey rink and saying that's your job. I mean, you can't, you can't do it forever, so if you can do it now, why not? 
No, that's that's great. That's great, and, and it's good to know. And 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 you don't have to tell about anybody else, but there are a lot of guys that really do have another job outside of oh, yeah. playing for the Black Bears and everything. And 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 the best way to do it is have it to be remote and something that you can schedule your own hours. Because if you can do that, exactly. that is really the best way to make it work. All right, so Elmira this week, uh, just real quick, uh, you guys played them already previously uh, a couple times. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think three times. You you guys have won two of those uh, three games and everything. Um, they're a different team. They, they haven't been playing well. Um, can that be a trap sometimes for you guys going into it? Or does Jersey have you guys, like, listen, we're playing these guys like they're Dan Barry or Carolina? Oh, absolutely. It can be a trap. I mean, just looking at guys on look at records and stats and whatnot, kind of going up into that game. But, I mean, Jersey does a great job at preparing us for no matter who it is, whether it is the likes of Dan Barry or the likes of Elmira. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a hockey game, and you got to show your best, put your best foot forward and give it 100% no matter who the competition is. And I know our goal is always to don't really worry about the other team, but worry about ourselves and trying to do what we have to do to win the game. And you guys don't want George to beat you, right? I mean, come on. No, we, we can't allow that. Absolutely not. Or Yardwood. <laughs> or or Merkel. All those guys over there. Absolutely. Austin, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. It was great to talk to you and uh, wish you best of luck the rest of the season. I hope you get that call up, too. I mean, we know Brendan just went up and everything, uh, and some of the guys that you played with last year are playing up there. We know that Schultz is playing in the ECHL. uh, And and honestly, how Schultz was ever playing in the FPHL last year is beyond me. The guy has a hockey sense and a hockey IQ that is really, really, really good, and he's just a big physical defenseman. Uh, no way he should have been playing down here. But I'm kind of glad he did because you guys got to play with him and everything. But good luck the rest of the way. Thank you very much. I mean, if I don't get the call up, at least we can do is try to win a championship this year. I mean, that's the next best price. So Absolutely. thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, it's been great. He is uh, Austin Thompson, and we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. If you're a Binghamton hockey fan, then you need to check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's BinghamtonHockey.net. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I know Austin Thompson and I just enjoyed our conversation. Got to say... Uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know some of these guys uh, this season. They are a, a special group, and I'm really hoping really good things for these guys and, for, of course, for the fans of the Binghamton Black Bears. Like I said, next week will be an interesting interview. Um, we're going to step away, and I'm going to announce that interview next Monday. Uh, so I'm really excited about it, and I hope everybody does like it too. Back in the day when I did the Power Play Post show covering the American Hockey League, I pretty much interviewed and covered every single team in the league. I was one of the only people that was doing it. Now there's a a lot of podcasts out there covering the American Hockey League. Well, the FBHL, I don't want that to be any different. Yes, I am a credentialed member in Binghamton, New York. I do cover them, and I'm going to do a lot of coverage of the Binghamton Black Bears. But at the same time, next week I have an opportunity to talk to somebody, have them here on the show, um, that will still there will be some conversation about Binghamton um, and, of course, about the series coming up against Carolina as Binghamton travels down the Carolina, not this weekend, but the weekend after. So... I hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. And uh, the Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search uh, for Power Play Post Show and share any uh, to any of your friends out there our group. Uh, check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. Thank you to Rob Lopolis, our MC, John Petitucci, our musical director, 
and our guest this week, winger for the Binghamton Black Bears, Austin Thompson. I am your host, Bob Howard. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. One game for the Binghamton Black Bears. I think it's a full slate of games, though, for uh, almost the rest of the uh, the league on Friday and Saturday. So enjoy the games. And uh, we're getting closer to the holiday, you know, the Christmas holiday, the big, uh, the big guy uh, handing out all those gifts and everything. So enjoy, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Power Play Post Show. for listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.